Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Screen Strong Families podcast, bringing you the best solutions for parents who are serious about finally eliminating screen problems in their home. This is Melanie Hempy. Welcome, everyone. I'm so glad you're here today. If you are one of our regular listeners, welcome back. And if you are new, we are so glad you found us. You are no longer alone with the screen problems in your life. We are here to help you and you finally have found your people. So today, oh my goodness, we have the most wonderful guest. Chris Rowan is a good friend of mine. I love it when I can share my good friends with you. I met Chris when my youngest twin boys were in elementary school and what a blessing she has been. I really wish I had met her before they were born, actually. <laughs> she was the first person who really explained to me what young kids needed as far as developmentally. Because, you know, back when we were growing up and the way our parents raised us, we kind of naturally got all the stuff that we needed and we didn't even know we were getting it. And our parents didn't have to read all the books and figure everything out because we just naturally played outside and had dinner with our families and, you know, had a lot of movement and exercise and all that. But then our culture hit and all our kids were at home and everybody's on the couch and nobody's going outside. And she helped me really understand the need for healthy parent attachment and what that meant. She helped me understand the need for nature, the critical need for nature. Like I knew it was fun to take the kids outside, but I didn't really know why. She helped me understand about movement and how important it was for little kids and big kids to all move a lot and how it actually changes certain areas of their brain development. Like I didn't know this, like I'd been to nursing school, but where did I miss all this? And by the way, where are all those merry-go-rounds in our playgrounds? I don't know. She helped me understand that we need to go find the merry-go-rounds and put them back in our playgrounds. And um, she even helped our school um, with their new playground. So that was really fun. I just remembered that. She taught me how important it was to teach your kids how to make eye contact. But I think the most important thing that I remember learning so clearly from Chris was the need our kids have for touch and that all important physical touch and hugging your kids every day. And that became a really big, important thing in our life. And our boys still remember Chris. We had met her on some podcast or not some podcasts, but some webinars. And, and one of my twins, Evan still talks about Chris. So when I was starting to speak to parent groups back then, I came up with this easy thing to re- try to remember everything that she was telling me. And I came up with this, an acronym called ATM. And if we remember back in the day, we used to use ATM. So everybody knew what ATM was <laughs> back then, but it stood for attachment, touch and movement. And of course, all ATMs are found outside in nature. <laughs> so that really works. So today we're going to talk about our young kids and, and not just our young kids, really our middle school and high school kids too can all benefit from this and really how to grow your child and everything they need for this foundational work. So we're going to discuss the four critical foundational factors for growth that every kid needs. We're going to discuss how screens are messing all that up and stunting our kids' growth. We're going to talk about some home solutions and some school solutions. And we are so thrilled to have Chris. Welcome, Chris, to the show. Thank you. What a wonderful intro. (laughs) How was that? And I I just want to say, um, on behalf of Melanie, I've known Melanie for, I don't know, over 10 years now. And she is one of what I call a handful of pioneering 
women <laughs> in this field. And like there's you, Melanie, and, and I, and Hillary Cash, and Dr. Dunkley, and Richard Freed, all these people. Yeah. And uh, Gene Rogers. So, you know, it's, um, you're getting a lot of years of experience when you get the two of us together, because, uh, you know, we're, we're networking with the, um, with the pioneers. That's true. That's a really good point. And I, and I just, when I was having you on this morning, I'm like thinking of back in the day when I first met you, it was so fun. It was like, you were just sharing all this stuff that I, I don't know, how did I miss this? You know, I had four kids. I had been to nursing school. I was a labor and delivery nurse. It's like, oh my gosh, my mind was exploding with all the things you were telling me. And they were so basic and simple yet they were so critical. And I was at that point in my life where I was able to really apply it and see tremendous benefits and changes in our own life. And so, you know, me and you and Vicki and everybody else, we just want to go tell the world about all this stuff because it's so important, especially now. So I am so glad you are here. We just need to have you on more than every few years because I think we had you a couple of years ago. I don't even want to think it's been too long, but let's start. Let's just jump right in and let's start with these four critical foundational factors for success that every human needs? So I'm a a pediatric therapist and an occupational therapist and and have been um, for the last 35 years working uh, predominantly in schools, but also in clinic and home-based settings with kids. And so I, I am an expert in the in development. So attachment development, so that's that connection between parents and kids, between kids and kids, between teachers and kids. So attachment, um, motor and sensory development are an, another two areas that I specialize in. What I can help people to understand is what do kids need to grow and succeed? And so I, I talk about it. It's like, uh, growing a child is like building a house. It's all about the foundation. It what's it's what goes into the foundation and and does it go in at the right times and do they get enough of those things? So there's four critical factors, foundational factors that uh, will ensure your child's success, uh, optimal growth and and academic success. So their movement, touch, human connection, and nature. So movement, there's two types of movement our kids need. They need to uh, stimulate their vestibular system, which is in their brain. And the way they do that is movement off center. So if you see a child on a swing or on a merry-go-round, that vestibular system is very active and it's saying to the body, set core, get strong. It creates like a tree. Your child's like a tree. They develop from the core out. And when we put that body off center, the vestibular system saying, come back to center. And, and the way it does that is it, it sends messages to muscles to bring you back to core. So they need a lot of movement off center, jumping, running, swinging, sliding, merry-go-rounds, anything that's outside, climbing trees uh, is going to be stimulating that vestibular system. And one of the interesting things that that vestibular system does is it actually optimizes a child's arousal state for learning. So uh, if a child's very low arousal, we want to activate that system. So if they've been had a rough sleep that night or they were up playing video games you know in the middle of the night and they wake up sleepy then we want to use that system to actually bring that child into an optimal level of alertness to be able to pay attention and learn so children who aren't getting enough sleep fall asleep right Mm -hmm. in class 
And so we want to activate that system. And in schools, we do all kinds of interesting things. But the second system, movement system, that needs to um, be activated is the proprioceptive system. And that's found in the muscles and joints. And what that does is it controls the body's ability to move through space, fine and gross motor movement patterns. So also controls, um, you know, their ability to print and read. So activation of the movement system is really, really important for printing and reading and math. Think about how spatial math is, right? And so if we are outside playing and throwing balls and jumping up and down, we don't really understand spatial concepts, you know? So one of the biggest issues I have with these, you know, screens in schools is, is that they're using them for, for foundational math and, and kids are not getting the spatial concepts they need. And then they miss that out and then they have trouble years down the road. Right. This is so fascinating because I never really thought about it and who, really does, right? Um, Think about how important this is, because like I said, a minute ago, we used to, I mean, kids just used to move a lot. And so we never had problems with all this stuff because we just, we were just always moving. I mean, I remember my playground, even when I was in elementary school, it was crazy. It would never be allowed today. (laughs) The kind of stuff that we did, it was like scary, but it was so important for all this movement. And how it affects the brain and learning is so critical. And I love that you talk about this and that you can explain this to our audience today. They don't understand it. And it's okay that you don't understand it. We weren't like none of us, you know, um, understood this until we see the problems that happen when we don't have it. And I think that's what you would agree that this is where a lot of problems are coming. Kids aren't moving enough. Well, with the, you know, all this time spent in front of a a two-dimensional screen, uh, one is our kids aren't getting stimulation of the vestibular and proprioceptive systems, but also they're not getting their cardiovascular system uh, stimulated. And we know that's super important for prevention of uh, any sort of stroke, heart attack, um, obesity, you know, that so our kids really have to be moving. Another thing to consider too is we're seeing a lot of kids with difficulty coordinating their eyes. And so the eyes are really important to, um, they like to look far, look near, they like the head hanging upside down and swishing around. <laughs> um, that vestibular system has a direct connection to the eyes and helps them to talk to each other and coordinate and focus. And so we're seeing a lot of printing and reading issues, the, the you know, eye-hand coordination problems and the eye-to-eye coordination problems as a result of too much screen time. Right. And I remember so clearly um, you explaining this to me years ago, how when a child walks out in the backyard, they see the trees and then they see the clouds and then they have to refocus and then they see the bird flying by and the squirrel over here like they their eyes are constantly focusing distance and near and how important that is for healthy eye development and and also the horizontal shifting back and forth the vertical up and down all of that is so important you know there are so many problems we're seeing right now with kids with eye problems that's a whole nother thing that's just a whole nother thing i was just going to say as soon as you hand a child a screen they sit right you take the screen away, they start to move. It's just magic. 
So understand that when you hand a child a screen, you are restraining that that system from moving. And so you are causing delayed development by handing a child a, a screen. And the younger you hand the child a screen, the worse off it is developmentally because they're not getting what they need to grow and succeed. They're getting the opposite. They're not getting it early enough. I mean, if you stunt this early, it's going to have a profound effect. Yes. You know, it's one thing when a 25 year old starts looking at a screen, right? But they've already had many years without it. Like many of us, we had the benefit of not being stunted, at least not this way. And it's important to understand, I'm, I, I don't know if you've learned that or, you know, you've taught this in other podcasts, Melanie, but the brain when we look at brain development, think of like a roadmap, think of whatever state you live in or country, you know, like think of a roadmap and, and there's these big roads, you know, highways that go everywhere from, from all parts of the brain to other parts of the brain. And then there's little side roads that start to form, right? So, so babies are born with these big roads, like all in place. And, and they're born with a brain that's able to connect to all different parts of of the brain and send messages all over the place, right? And then what happens as as the child grows and moves into adulthood and then older and older is that these roads are actually pruned. These main highways are pruned or cut to um, it, to reflect what that that child is is watching. So and what they're doing. So if a child is getting lots of movement, touch, connection, nature, they preserve all those roads to all the areas of the brain. But if they're getting lots of screens and very little movement, touch, connection, nature, what happens is what studies are showing is a pruning of these roads to the front of the brain. Um, so a pro proliferation or a, like an expansion in the areas that are um, mainly involved with whatever they're watching. If it's video games, it's a lot of um, um, er midbrain stimulation and and pruning to the front front of the lobe. So so what your child does, what they're engaged in, how rich their environment is, literally determines the way the brain is going to develop. And 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 we can see that through all sorts of different studies. So very important when the brain's younger, it's developing rapidly, right? Zero to two, it triples in size, zero to two years. So we want to, you know, don't do any screens zero to two. Like the guidelines put forward by our pediatric community is um, very relevant to what the, the research data is telling us, right? So nothing zero to two, just an hour a day, three to five, no more than two hours, six to 12. So these, these handheld devices are literally killing our children because they're, they're overusing to a huge degree and you just can't manage the handheld devices at all. So this is so critical to understand this activity dependent brain. It's, it's not uh, normal for a child to sit and stare at a screen for hours on end. And every hour that that happens is they're trading this critical stage where they should be actively developing their brain. And I just think it's so fascinating and it's, and it's so simple. And yet it's so profound too, <laughs> that our, that all of our activity really changes our brain, just like a house. It's like, are you going to have a teeny little house or are you going to have a really big, nice mansion? And it, you kind of get to 
decide that as a parent. You get to decide. You're like the architect of your kid's brain. You By sending them outside to jump on the trampoline, to fish in the pond, to roll around in the grass and you know, get on that tire swing. In fact, we got a tire swing after I talked to you the first time, literally. It cost us nothing. We went to the junkyard and got a tire. <laughs> but those are all decisions that you're making as your child's brain architect. And it's a big job, but it's super fun. So talk about the next thing. Talk about the touch. So touch, so touch activates a, a system called the tactile system. Um, our skin is loaded with re receptors that take messages to the brain. The skin is the largest organ in the body. And if, if I were to take an adult skin and kind of lay it out on the floor, it would cover an area 20 feet by 20 feet, right? So wow. in the size of a, a loony, I'm in Canada, so yes. a loony is about, you know, an inch and a half in width or whatever, it, there's 7,000 tactile receptors. So wow. these receptors fire um, when through um, any mechanical stimulation. So when you touch your child, when you, especially when you hug your child, um, this fires all these messages to the brain and the brain actually activates a system called our parasympathetic system to calm. So if we have a child who's highly anxious or a child that's in fright, flight or fight, or a child who's just um, vibrating literally, what we want to do is hug that child. And we are seeing, I am seeing in my practice, a huge deficit of touch, touch children who are actually touch deprived. So from infancy on, children are literally not being touched, right? We have all these mm -hmm. devices to rock them. We have devices to sing to them. We have, to, we have you know, all these little right. Uh, you know, nanny bot things, you know, to talk to them, uh, to calm and soothe them. The best calming and soothing you can, you can provide for your child is deep pressure touch. So it's called DPT, deep pressure touch. And it's simply a hug. And so firm, sustained touch that will activate this parasympathetic system. So not light touch, not just like a hand on a shoulder, but you know, a full on hug. So, you know, hug your kids when you're reading them books, hug your kids when you're, if you're watching a movie at night, um, hug your kids as much as you can hug each other, ask your kids for hugs, you know, cause mm -hmm. it will actually help you as well. So just understand we're living in a touch deprived environment and we really need to reverse that in order to address all this anxiety that we're seeing in kids today, it's, it's, um, we've never seen this level of, yeah. of mental illness as we've seen today. And when you can counteract that anxiety through a hug, um, yeah. rather than a drug, <laughs> that's a good little <laughs> hug, don't drug. Um, yeah. it's really, yeah. it really, I also have another little acronym, unplug, don't drug, right? It's, yeah. Stop medicating kids behaviors when we really understand underneath all that is, is, uh, a failure on our part to give them these four critical components. So uh, if your child is acting out, uh, think of that movement, touch, connection, nature. Can you go outside and run around and, and uh, you know, wrestle on the grass? I bet you'll see a totally different kid. So let me just say something about touch before you move on, because um, I'm dying to, to tell everybody um, this. So when I first talked to Chris about this, it was fabulous. And we had this wonderful phone call. Then we met up in person at a conference and she literally demonstrated what she's talking about to me. And I think it was the first time that I really learned how to properly hug another person. Um, but she put her arm around me and Chris, I don't know if I'm going to describe this well enough and you might have to help me, but 
when you stand next to your child or even another person, you put your arm around them. So if they're on your right, you take your right arm and you put it around them and, and, and like touch their right shoulder. And then you kind of like do this downward squeezing deep hug. It's not just like, Oh, little pat on the back. And when you did that to me, I was like, Oh my gosh, this is, I feel like I'm getting like a massage or something. It was like the most amazing thing. And when I came home and learned how to do this with my kids, it was huge because you're right. I think we is, I don't know if it's because we're Americans. I don't know what our problem is, but you know, we're lightly hugging or touching or whatever, but boy, that was a wonderful deep. And it wasn't like this full frontal weird hug. It was just this deep pressure. And I was fascinated by that when my kids, one of them especially sort of struggles a little more with impulse control issues and some different things. And he gets all wound up and boy, does that help. That is amazing. Yes. And so I developed, that's called the shoulder squeeze and you described it expertly. And I developed that for teachers because uh, as you know, in a classroom, you can't do and shouldn't do, you know, full on frontal hugs or behind hugs. And, and so the really important thing about the shoulder squeeze is to say, um, I see is to pair it with a connection technique. That's the next thing we're going to talk about. The third component is connection is so you say, I see you're upset. I hear in your voice, you're upset. Would you like a shoulder squeeze? So you kind of ask permission. Okay. And, and if it's the first time, the kid's going to go, what now? You know, <laughs> um, but then you say, you look around for another kid or your your husband or your your wife or yeah. whatever. And and you um, you say, how about you? Would you like a shoulder squeeze? It's it, like I learned about it today, you know? And and yeah. so it, you get somebody that, that actually gives you permission and then you move, you always stand to the side and yeah. you reach your arm across their back to their, you perfectly describe that to their, their other shoulder. And so you squeeze in and down, like in, in a and down, yeah. in and down, yeah. because you're activating receptors. This activates the proprioceptive system. So that's that system that's in the joints and the muscles. And you're actually activating the ones in the, in between all the vertebrae of the spine in their shoulders. And you're, you're touching as much of their body as you can. So you're activating the tactile system as well. And both of those systems together will elicit this real calm, peaceful feeling. Mm-hmm. And so once once your kids experience that, then they they actually. I have children. I live in a small town, that, you know, and I've worked in the school district here for so many yeah. years. So I have kids who come up to me and they they go shoulder squeeze, shoulder squeeze, right? And yet they're they're adults now, you know, they're in high school, um, yeah. you know, but they they just love it. So kids will learn to ask for a shoulder squeeze. Yeah. And it's, it's really nice. Just drop everything you're doing and give them a shoulder squeeze. Schools, if you're a teacher, this is something they can be sitting at their desk and they're you hand out the math tests and they're you can see they're you know cranking up and you know just you're walking down the aisle would you like a shoulder squeeze would you like a shoulder squeeze you know like and you just give a brief shoulder squeeze and and what's important when you release the shoulder squeeze you don't do it suddenly you do it very (laughs) slowly because you're in connection with that child as well so this is the next system we're going to talk about you've formed an attachment a connection, you've given that child what they need, and you want to slowly move out of that connection, not abruptly, because it's it's a huge different experience if you just break the connection. Sure. Um, yeah. 
So talk about the human connection. Yes, human connection, or you know, another term for it is attachment. Uh, is whenever we're we're connected to a device, we are detached from the people around us, right? So as as adults and parents and teachers are attaching more and more to their devices, uh, the kids, as a default, are attaching to their devices, right? So I see this every time I can walk in a classroom, right? You know, as teachers on her phone texting a parent because the parents are, you know, <laughs> anxious and wanting to know how their kids doing or whatever. And, and the kids are on their devices. And, and so we are seeing a, an array, an explosion in social disorders. So we, we're seeing children who, who are asocial, meaning they just don't socialize at all with other kids. We're seeing social phobia where kids are afraid to go out of their house, afraid to go to school, afraid to go to the store. No, I'll just stay in the car. Um, you know, afraid to engage in, in friendships and social communication with even members of their own family. So as we move further and further into the device, this virtual world, we are disconnecting from the real world. And we're families are are you know we're pack animals humans are pack animals and we the family is our pack when we're at home the classroom is our pack and our friends are our pack at school is when we take a a you know whether it's a wolf or a human being away from their pack they don't do well and this is exactly what we're seeing so we're seeing soaring rates of depression and anxiety in children very young children suicide um, ideation, suicide attempts, uh, because they're, they feel isolated. They feel alone. They feel neglected. Um, they can't communicate, you know, they don't feel confident or competent in social communication. So again, when you, when you allow children on devices, you are doing the opposite of what they need. Right. Mm. And so this is what I see is kids who have social communication disorders are, are going for the device and teachers and parents are allowing this, you know, and they think their child's getting social communication on the device because they're talking to their friends or whatever, but it's the opposite. What we're seeing is a poverty of meaningful communication and we're seeing an explosion in meaningless texting and you know so they're they're looking i always say they're looking for love in all the wrong places when they <laughs> right they're not going to find wow. it and wow. this is one of the most tragic things about these these all these devices is they're really making our kids sad and and socially phobic and and it's just not good well i love how you described the attachment piece because i talk a lot about parent attachment in our parent course that we have. And we're always talking about family attachment. And I think sometimes people just mistakenly think that it means you're being overprotective and it's very different. This is not the same thing. So I love the way you worded it, this human connection. That's what we're talking about. That's what this attachment is. It's not that you're an over-controlling parent because your kid is attached to you. And I think that's just a myth that people think, oh, I can't be too attached because they're teenagers now. And, you know, they need to get out of my family. <laughs> but we never leave our families. We're never supposed to leave our families emotionally. And so this is what you're talking about, the human connection. And I love that you just said that, that not only are you um, like 
not attached, but you're detached from people when you are on your screen. And this goes in with the science around multitasking. We cannot be in two places and do two things at one time. So you're either attaching to your screen or you're attaching to the person. It's impossible to do both. And that's why when parents are on their screens and teachers are on their phones and all the stuff you're describing, that's why kids get on their stuff because they're like, well, I'm trying to engage with you and you're not engaging. So therefore I'm going to detach from you and shift over here and come to my screen because my screen will pay attention to me. Exactly. The screen is immediate. It gives you exact, you know, you can, the kid's in control of the screen at all times, mm-hmm. unless the parent mm-hmm. takes the phone away or, but yeah. you know, like it, it's a device that you can control that gives you, you know, that entertains you. Um, and so this is something to also, I wanted to bring forward is there's, um, you know, there's the good and bad of screens, right? And it's, mm-hmm. it's all, like screens are bad. It's just our inability to manage them is, is what is problematic, right? right? And so the content is absolutely key. So duration, when we talk about screen use, you know, there's durations, but what the studies are finding more and more in the last, you know, decade is that content is key. So you kind of are what you watch in some ways, right? Because again, mm-hmm. we've got that brain, that neural real estate of the brain is getting allocated to whatever it is that the child's you know, engaged in, right? So um, if you, if kids are watching a lot of violence and a lot of uh, engaging, a lot of what I call meaningless content, okay, so texting, watching sitcoms, you know, it, right. it again, it's, if you're watching something that's meaningless, and what I mean by that is it's not activating the brain. It's mm-hmm. literally numbing the brain, right? There's mm-hmm. nothing meaningful there. There's no new synaptic connections forming. Those little roads aren't aren't being formed, they're just dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the type of brain we're going to see is we're going to see less brain. We're mm-hmm. literally going to see areas of atrophy in the brain as these roads are getting pruned because they're not using those different parts of the brain, right? So we want our kids to be engaged in what we term meaningful content. And, and Melanie, you said, um, you know, having the YouTube video on showing you how to make sourdough bread or, or mm-hmm. you know, so any of the DIY stuff that, you know, kids are looking for, um, you know, a way to do something, they watch the YouTube video and then they go do it, right? Right. That's right. not a bad thing. In fact, that's that's teaching our kids some skills, right? Right. Uh, so there's, it's not like screens are bad, but they need to be used properly and they really need to be respected that they can cause immense harm to your child, physical, mental, social, emotional, cognitive. Um, they are literally destroying our kids. So we really have to be way more cautious about about what's going on with that screen not only durations, but content. Right. And at Screen Strong, we talk a lot about that. And I think that was sort of an epiphany we had years ago when I realized, you know, we're not going to be screen free. That's not the goal. The goal is what you're talking about right now, what you're doing on the screen that's making all the difference. And this is when we first met and when we started going to all our conferences and stuff that we did, we learned so much about the video games and the deep dive into what was really happening with those games. And we also learned that most parents don't play the games that our kids play today. In fact, 
parents don't use their screens the way kids use their screens. So they're in the dark over all of this with their phone. As a parent, you use your phone very differently than your child uses a phone. And so this is the dilemma. We've got to figure out what activities are okay and what activities um, are not okay for our kids when it comes to screens. And what I learned, and you're going to talk about your fourth thing here in just a second about nature, because I love that point that you're going to make and talk about that. But what I've learned is that there are so many things that our kids need to do that are critical that re- there really isn't time to sit around and play video games for four hours a day. You, you, you just don't have time to do that if you're going to build a healthy brain. You just don't have time. There's too many things outside you need to be doing, too many things in nature, too, too many movement activities, too much touch you need, <laughs> all these things that you need. So it's it's a replacement. It displaces the things that they do need. So what do they need in nature? What's the big deal about nature? So nature activates the same system that touch does. It activates the parasympathetic system to calm the body. So the parasympathetic system just quickly is um, when children are, say, playing video games, they're in a hypercharged state, right? And their sympathetic system is is totally stimulated. Um, they move into fright, flight, or fight really quickly. This is where, you know, you try to say, turn that off and come, you know, to dinner and they, you know, they fight you or flight, run away or, um, or just freeze, you know, and, and so we want to counteract the, that sympathetic charge by activating that parasympathetic system. Nature is the best stimulus to counteract all the detrimental effects of screens on kids. So it is absolutely crucial to get your kids outside every single day to play not just to walk from A to B, but actually get them outside to play. So in in activating this parasympathetic system, we literally are, and studies are showing, Melanie just sent me a study last night that um, Mm -hmm. has has actually proven what I've said for years, is that I think nature is going to save our children. Um, from all these detrimental effects. And so the study showed that, you know, little kids, if they were exposed to screens, but then they went out to play, you didn't see the negative effects of the screens that you would have if they had not gone outside to play, right? So um, think about it. When they go outside to play, they do it all, right? They move, they touch, they, you know, connect with each other and they're out in nature. So um, you're activating all four systems every single time they go outside to play. So this is something when I do tech talks, I do, I've done hundreds of these tech talks in schools with classrooms, right? As, as we talk about the four critical factors and then I say, okay, so what are you guys going to do when you go home today? And, you know, and hopefully, you know, two or three hands go up, I'm going to go outside and play. And then I say, okay, so what are you going to do? Who are you going to do it with? What do you get? What do you need to go outside and play? Because then I get the kind of the blank stares. They're kind of like, um, I don't know. So our <laughs> kids have gotten, you know, completely out of touch with with the joys of nature. You don't really have to have a ball to kick around. You don't really, you know, you can just go out and sit under a tree. You know, you can gather together some stuff like pine cones and you know, whatever sticks and, you know, make some sort of little, um, you know, city, you know, take those leaves and stick them through the sticks and make little people for the city. And, you know, so we really have to, I really encourage parents to kind of like 
kind of go, okay, so my kid doesn't know what to do outside. I need to go outside and we, we need to run around and we need to kind of like create about 14 things that, you know, that we can do <laughs> outside. And, and so that those kids, when they head out the door, they actually have, you know, something. Um, we as kids, Melanie, you and I, we didn't really, you know, we just went outside to play, right? But but kids yeah. today we really have to teach them how how to play outside. And- That's crazy. And and I just want to jump in and say, you know, we had siblings, or I did, and I would we'd go out with our siblings. But also, what happens when kids go outside? If they're outside a lot, guess what happens? Other kids see them and find them and they come play with them. And it's like this magnet, you know, all of a sudden, and you've got five kids in the cul-de-sac or, you know, five kids in the backyard. And part of this whole thing that we're talking about today with nature, um, exactly what you're, you're touching on, Chris, is this, this um, canvas for kids to be creative and use their imagination because it's super hard to do that all cooped up inside and you've got all the distractions and temptations of the screens and then it's never going to happen. So you, you can perhaps on a rainy day, you know, do some of this stuff inside that you're talking about, but, but not really. In fact, we love to play in the rain. And so um, rain or shine or snow or whatever, our kids are always outside. The other thing that you get um, outside, of course, is like vitamin D too. Um, You've get, you get the eye health going on because you're, you just, what you talked about earlier about your eyes moving a lot, but what I, I love, I think the most is that outside really is the, almost like the definition of childhood. When do we ever get to do this? But when we're kids to go out and enjoy nature and build the tree for it and do the scary things and take the risk, you know, um, and, and just be a kid. That's a big part of it too. But I love how you're bringing in all the science around it and how it does counteract all the things that are happening on their screen is kind of balancing out that part of their brain. Absolutely. And, you know, I think as, as parents and teachers, if there's any teachers listening is in a commitment to get our kids out in nature, you know, I follow that concept. If you build it, they will come is we really have to look at what's going on in our communities, in our neighborhoods, in our schools is a lot of the playgrounds have become very infantile and not very stimulated to any child over the age of about six. So, you know, there's a big movement here and I, I like to think I'm part of it up here in Canada to, um, to really look at getting some interesting stuff in the playgrounds. And there's some great playground companies now that are creating safe. I'm not saying don't, you know, look at safety. We have our Canadian standards association. I'm sure you have something similar that, you know, talks about the, the surfacing under the playground, you know, it has to be six inches under certain things. It has to be eight inches at the bottom of the slide or under swings, you know, so we really want to follow the safety standards. Right. But we got to get some, we got to get some cool stuff in there. We got to jack it up a bit, you know, and get, and, and create something interesting for our kids. So, you know, like, like Melanie said, you would go to the junkyard and get a tire and, you know, hang it from a tree, you know, like there's a lot of things we can be doing and, and ask the kids, this is the thing too, I've seen um, some really awesome, like what I think are awesome playgrounds and all the kids are over playing on a big pile of fallen wood in the yeah. bush, you know? <laughs> <laughs> they don't even play with those, the, the expensive playground equipment. No. They don't want to play with that. They want to play with something else. Talk a minute about how um, you encourage parents to even build um, almost like a gym in your garage or something, you know, just hanging yeah, so some, looking, yeah, talk about looking, that. 
we we want stuff that moves, right? So we want we want like like a set of rings, like these plastic rings with the two straps are, are about forty bucks here. So probably about twenty five bucks down there, you know. <laughs> so um, it is one of the most favorite devices, and get an old mattress to put underneath it, you know. So if you even have like kids love running up and down stairs, so maybe hang a set of rings, you know, like at the landing where they run down the stairs, they jump up grab the ring, swing forward and drop onto a, you know, a mattress at the bottom of the stairs or something, sure. you know, and, and so there's all kinds of ways. Think of your, you don't need a huge space to do this, but if you do have a huge space, like a basement, I tell you, you'll have all the kids over at your house, like in a nanosecond. Cause this is the thing again, is when we start building these fun things, you know, that all the kids start coming around. I had this one dad I was working with, um, he had four kids that were all pretty rangy and, you know, getting into trouble and whatnot, you know, and I just said, I started talking to him about this stuff. So he ran a zip line kind of between two trees, you know, and wrapped it around with couplings. And then he hung all these different devices from that, that cable. Um, and they were all like different stuff, you know, like one was like just a platform. It was just a piece of plywood, you know, that had four ropes going up to a, like a yeah. carabiner that went up, you know, to the, to align up to the, so anyway, I mean, there were just all different things that the kids could sit on, jump on to, um, you know, play on. And he had little kids too. So we did stuff. So I said, Oh, maybe put an inner tube inside that platform swing, the plywood one, right? So that the mm -hmm. little guys aren't going to fall off, right? And, yeah. and yeah. so what I, you know, you can really, in the world's your oyster here, you know, you can really start creating some pretty cool stuff with indoor gyms. And outdoor gyms too. Why not a climbing wall on one end of your house? Get those, um, those little handhold uh, yeah. things. You can screw them right onto your house. Uh, again, you know, we want, want to think safety. So you'd want to have like a good eight inches of bark mulch or pea gravel or whatever framed, mm -hmm. you know, with, um, you know, five by five, you know, posts. And it, it, it just like, if we can create those kind of things in our communities and we would see a lot less trouble. So, so my thing is instead of, I developed this concept balance technology management. So instead of saying, put that phone away, you know, it's more, Hey, let's go outside and play. Yeah. And, uh, and, and you see, we offer them a, a viable, healthy, interesting alternative to the screen instead right. of trying to focus so much on, you know, on reducing duration, setting rules. I mean, those, those are all good things to do. We know if parents set rules, their kids will use 30% less, you know, of, of screens automatically. So that's important. But, right. but, you know, let's have fun in this yeah. too. Let's not make this a pain, painful process. Let's have fun. Let's have fun. And one thing I was just thinking when you were talking about all the things, like getting even a two by four or a bigger like um, landscape or tie or whatever you call those things to be like a balance beam, to even just put it like six inches off the ground for a kid, that just feels so cool to be able to walk across that. And I know that you're really big on balance and helping them maintain balance. That's another super favored um, device. And it's not really a device, you know, it's just a piece of right. wood, right? right? But what that's doing is it's activating that vestibular system maximally, right? So the child's having to coordinate both sides of their body, upper to lower, right to left, they're having to coordinate their eyes to their body. Um, and as soon as they start kind of falling off, that vestibular system kicks in, and it sets core. 
it brings them back to center, right? So all that stuff that they're doing on a balance beam translates to literacy, translates to printing, reading, and math. Yes. Talk about that again and bring that back around because we did, you touched on that in the very beginning of the podcast. So, bring that so the vestibular system, as soon as you move off center, it activates and it says, because it doesn't want you to fall off, right? So it says, so if you're leaning to the left and you're going to fall to the left of the balance beam, it will ask the right side of your body to contract, contract, bring to center, bring to center. And that's building that strong core. So um, the the all these motor systems, which are, you know, muscle oriented, right? So you've got them in your mouth, you got them in your eyes, you got them everywhere, right? These mm-hmm. motor systems are all activated with off center movement, slide swings, but the balance beam is requiring all the systems to come into line. So upper to lower, right to left, eye to hand, eye to eye, all have to, they're all active and working to, to help you to put one foot in front of the other. Now, a lot of kids can't do that, right? And so don't think if your child has a lot of motor coordination issues that a balance beam is too far ahead of them. It's a playful thing. They go out and they start playing on it, you know, so even if they can just stand on it to start for a couple seconds, that's great, right. you know? And they'll get, slack lines are also really, really fun. You see kids mm-hmm. out on those all the time, you know, it's just, it's just a, a, um, a piece of webbing that's quite wide and strong that's strung between two trees or right. you know, two posts and they have right. to they have to walk on that so that's a little more advanced than the the balance well, and that reminds me we did um the little hammocks between the trees and so all their friends would bring their hammocks and they would just get in their hammocks and figure out which trees they fit and they would just like that was just the most fun like in the middle of the day they would figure out how to do all that and hang out in their hammocks so how does this movement all relate back to their brain. It's because when they're doing all this, these pathways are lighting up in their brain because you need your brain to move. So it's, um, you know, the, uh, I'm not, I don't want to get too much into brain development, but every part of the brain has a different function, right? So what we want to do is as parents and teachers is we want to activate all the brain. We want to do diverse uh, stimuli that that runs, you know, messages all over the brain. So the back of the brain is vision, right? The, the top of the brain is the sensory and the motor cortex. Like, so we, you know, the more that we stimulate the, the brain in all these different areas, and we light up the whole brain. Yeah. So movement does that. If you look at a, at a PET scan of a brain sitting quietly, uh, and then you look at a PET scan of a brain after a 20 minute walk, Yes. Uh, it's majorly lit up, right? So we know that brain is going to learn better. It's going to um, develop the body better the more movement we 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 give to that child. Yeah. And I just had to give you a commercial here for Chris um, because when we were first talking, one of my sons, I think was in uh, fourth grade and he was really struggling. And you made a suggestion to me about what maybe could happen um, in school. And I went and talked to the teacher and she did this, this thing that I'm going to tell you. And it was just fabulous. It helped him so much. And what it was, was exercising during the day at school, like not just at recess, because you know, so many schools have gotten rid of their recesses and, oh my gosh, that's a whole nother topic for another day. But, um, but what would, what we talked to the teacher about was, 
you know, he needs more movement during the day. He can't sit here, you know, for hour and hours on end and then do math, right? So every time that he would have to go to the restroom or go outside to whatever, she let him run. And then she would, in between classes, let him run laps around the building. This was like, it changed his life. <laughs> He's like, mom. And then she would say, and then he can, after he would run these laps and we had like a small, it was a small area. So it was, you know, it wasn't like a big high school or anything. It was small, but he was like, that was the most fun part of his day. I got to run to the bathroom. I got to run laps around the building before math. And that really helped set him up for being able just to sit still and pay attention. He, and you know, we know a lot now that there's, there's a lot of science around kids doing exercises in between classes. And this is the reason why. So now, you know, so now everybody out there listening. There's massive research in this area. John Rowdy wrote a book called Spark. So if you are a teacher, you're, you know, in the schools, um, definitely read it. And so what he did was he, you know, it was different throughout the different ages, right? But like in, in high school, he did a lot of research with high school students who, who actually ran on a treadmill, for 45 minutes a day and they improved scores in reading, math, science. It was just dramatic how, yeah. how their academic performance changed dramatically with, with that. With so I super advocate for uh, in-classroom equipment, in the hallway, in yeah. the gym, out on the playground, uh, that we get those kids moving as much as possible. Why are they sitting, especially if they're falling asleep, have standing stations in the classroom? I mean, just actually having, you know, usually there's some sort of a bookcase or something where they can go over and they can stand to do their work. Um, makes a huge difference. It activates that vestibular system to increase arousal to optimize learning, right? So Mm -hmm. um, things like standing desks, you know, I've never understood why kids sit. Right, right. And so let's... Let's dive into some more of these school solutions while we're on that topic. And then we're going to go into the home uh, solutions to wrap this up. But the rest of the school solutions, I know that you've talked to me before about um, one of them was never using technology as a reward. And that has really stuck with me. Um, Explain that just a minute, why teachers shouldn't use that. I see it all over the place. So if you finish your work, you can go on your phone, right? Or go on your Chromebook if you finish your work. Well, Who's not going to, you know, rush through their 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 assignment, right? And do a crappy job so that they can get, you know, they can play their video games and do their porn at the back of the classroom, right? So mm-hmm. it's something that uh, I see all over the place. So it should never be used as a reward. It, it's an extrinsic reward. We all know those don't work. Short term gain, long term pain, right? So um, we want to we want to encourage a, a, a child to become independent to um, to be self-sufficient, to be, to self-regulate. So we really need to figure out other rewards that are more healthy than, right. than going on screen. Right. So and it's always you know, going to be things that we value and time with people. Those are the best rewards, right? Exactly. I mean, and the kids who are on those screens and, and using that um, screen as a reward are the ones who are asocial, you know, have trouble socializing. Um, they have motor coordination issues. They, you know, they have everything that is the d- the downside of overuse of screens. Those are the ones who we're allowing to, you know, mm-hmm. it's just, it, yeah. it just is destroying our kids, right? So we really need to look at banning cell phones from schools. Um, is this is something that I've created? Um, I'm 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 in the process of finishing a whole series of webinars. Uh, and my website's called Reconnect Webinars. 
and there is a series for schools and teachers and this goes through and and create i create like a literal case using all the research on why we should ban cell phones from schools they're just not manageable in a school setting all these um these apps that schools are using are really damaging to our kids tiktok and snapchat sure uh, you know kids are bullying each other on the app it, it's just like should just get rid of it right right um and and we really i'm not saying don't use screens in schools but um we should be achieving literacy first so i talked about how it's so important for movement um to you know the the vestibular system that when it's active kind of creates a literate ch child so why don't we wait until children have grade level literacy like grade three before we ever even expose them to a screen in the school yeah. is math is a 3d concept and we're when we present it on a screen it's two-dimensional and the kids can't get it right so we really want to be um using manipulatives for math we want to be teaching printing we want to be teaching reading out of books you know we it, there's so much research showing yeah. that that screens just cannot achieve literacy so you know schools i think should should have a goal of achieving literacy before first before kids are exposed at all and and schools have to start looking at we have an american academy of pediatrics that set guidelines for screen use durations content schools are not adhering to those guidelines schools are using way over you know the amount uh and and to a huge detriment we've never seen our kids sicker than they are today physically, mm -hmm. mentally, emotionally, socially, mm -hmm. cognitive, you know, we're seeing problems across the board. Um, they really have to listen to the experts, right? Yeah. So and, and also, we have to look at data privacy and safety. And you know, these these things are um, these devices and Google and Apple are, are harvesting data from your children. And they're and invading their privacy and they're selling that data to um, companies that are then trying to sell your kids products. It's, it's, it's horrible. And right. they, I'm, I'm a member of Screens and Schools Committee with um, Fair Play. Uh, mm -hmm. And they are they're moving forward a lot of initiatives at a at a high government level in order to try to keep, you know, create some safety for our kids. So we really have to be careful of all all of that. There's just so many things that there are. Yeah, there are so many things. And we're going to have in our connect group and our in our private forum on our website, we will put some things in there that parents need like a letter to their school to try to get some of this stuff going, maybe a school guideline example that we've got for you um, in there. I'd love that you are so knowledgeable about all this. How do we just let's just spend a second. We don't have much time left here on the podcast, but how do we how do we bring this home? What do we do in our homes? I mean, you know what we do here at Screen Strong and what our recommendations are. What what are your recommendations for what needs to happen in our homes? Because we can only do so much in the school and we need to continue to work on that. But we do have control over what happens in our home. So I always suggest starting with a family meeting. So uh, we're going to all get together after dinner tonight, no phones, and we're going to start talking about what's going on in our family you know is everybody happy you know who you know who thinks who is overusing their phones you know what how does how do you feel about that you know yeah. really have a, an open discussion about what's going on in your family with with the realm of screens like um you know is there a problem sometimes maybe you know maybe you think there might be but you know really your family's doing pretty good you know and yeah. you know, so 
but the kids have to participate. I, I am not big on this authoritarian kind of model, you know, where the parents are dictating to the kids what goes on. You know, right. kids, I've never seen a kid with a screen overuse issue that didn't have a parent with a screen overuse issue. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sorry mm-hmm. to bring that, you know, forward and throw it out so blatantly. But, um, you know, these kids are, are pretty bright. And I, I actually really feel like focusing on the kids is going to turn this thing around because there is um, what data is showing is about 40% of parents are using um, over 11 hours a day of entertainment media. So we know there's a huge issue with parental addiction to screens and, and obviously that, that prohibits that parent from, from creating limitations and rules and stuff. So I just kind of say, just throw it all out there, sit around a table and have a discussion about what's going on and figuring out where to move forward. And then maybe pick a couple things that you want to do that, um, you know, that everyone agrees on. So I, I kind of throw out this hour a day, day a week, week a year. So an hour a day, screen free, um, maybe around dinner, it, mm-hmm. that there's going to be this hour for dinner prep, dinner make, you know, dinner, eat, dinner, clean up is going to be screen free. And the screens literally go in a drawer or a lockbox or whatever you need to do to get rid of them. And and then a day a week might be Saturday, you know, even if you start with just half a day screen free um, and get a, get a burner phone like that doesn't have internet, you know, so that if somebody had to get in touch with you and you've got an emergency um, way of doing that. And then a week year, the family holiday, because it's really important to unplug and, and Vicki Dunkley is, is just has written a fabulous book uh, for parents on unplugging their kids it's really important for the brain to reset itself and it can't do that if it's constantly, you know, thinking about where's my phone, where's my phone, where's my phone. So, you know, so decide on a couple things you're going to do. And, and what I suggest is focusing again on this balanced technology management, focusing on what are, what activities are you going to do other than screens? Right. And as parents kind of admit, okay, we really haven't done too well in this area. So we've got to start coming up with ideas. Um, and there are a lot of things, but kids aren't automatically going to come up with them, you know, go and look in your garage, like are the bike tires all flat, you know, or the, um, right. you know, are the basketballs all flat, you know, could we put a hoop up? shooting bees is such a great thing such a fun thing so it's not expensive to get a basketball hoop and get a basketball you know and and just even if that's your one thing so i encourage families to start with just picking a couple things they're going to do um and then start you know doing some limits too like like no screens in the bedroom bathroom car cars are when you have an opportunity to actually talk to your kids Mm -hmm. and having Mm -hmm. a screen going is, you know, or play music or just do something, you know, that's, that's connecting you as a family. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly not in restaurants, you know, so have some rules, not at the dinner table. And then this, uh, for little guys, you know, the, the thing I did with my kids bath book bed is, is baths, calm them, um, cuddling up, reading a book, and then, you know, off to bed is having like this little routine at night, uh, no screens for, you know, I say two hours before you go to bed, mm-hmm. um, an hour, some of our little guys just get too jacked up. The screen wakes them up. We want that brain to calm down. How can we calm it down? Bath book, you know, cuddle in mm-hmm. bed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So those are just a few of the things that I, I'd suggest with, uh, uh, families. 
Yeah, well, they all fall in, in line with what we have for our challenge. We have a 30-day challenge, Chris, where you probably have seen that on our site, where we walk you through this and we sort of give you all the ideas and the stuff to do and and how to replace the entertainment screen time is what Chris and I are talking about today. We're, we're not talking about you know, family movie night, uh, you know, watching a fun movie together or a baseball game or a football game and having a family connection time around all that. That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about, you know, figuring out how to make a recipe on YouTube or how to go fix the car. It, it's using screens for entertainment that is, um, that's, uh, really hurting our kids like video games and social media. Those are the things that we're talking about. Um, so I just want to make that really clear again, because I think it can get really frustrating if we think, oh, this no screen lifestyle versus a screen strong lifestyle. So the screen strong lifestyle is the toxic use, figuring out what is revving your kids up. Most of the time, I would say 90% of the time, a video game will rev your kids up now, you know, the way they are today. Back when we were playing video games in the arcade, maybe not so much, but today's games are this way. And today's social media, Chris, I don't know if you would agree with this, but I'm just thinking off the top of my head that when 10 years ago, like when you know social media was out there, but it doesn't feel anything like it was back then today. Today is so different. I can't even read a blog post. And I'm not even talking about social media now. I'm just talking about going to a website now. I can't even read a blog post without seeing five ads every other sentence. How am I supposed to read a blog post when the ads are popping up and they're not ads anymore that are just photos? They're like video ads. Like it's changing. It's gotten so much more toxic in the sense that it's requiring the user's attention. It's requiring our um, brains. Like it's like sucking our brains. Am I over exaggerating that? What do you think? Absolutely not. And and when you look at it, it's, it's a pro- profit is... Um, is everything for these corporations for the whether it's a tech corporation or a data you know um, harvesting corporate mm-hmm. like like the bottom line is the dollar and they don't care about your kids and they don't care about you and they don't care about destroying you know your attention span and um, and creating addiction their bottom line is profit and we've allowed these corporations to literally control our children you know they're raising and educating it's 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 terrible in the schools as well right is um, marketing of of different products to your children you know is is absolutely like google's literally trying to brand themselves into your child's brain right for life so so this is the thing that in working with Fair Play, Fair Play is an organization that's really making great strides in helping government to see that this whole industry needs to be regulated, legislated. There needs to be absolute um, firm criteria and rules and standards for the the um, the tech that your your kids are absorbing, whether it's an app or a program, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so this stuff has just exploded, and it's going to take years really to harness it and bring it in line. But um, please mm-hmm. note that these these you know, and the 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 pedophiles that are coming through on the apps through the chat lines and bro- grooming kids, we see it all over in the press, right? And kids yeah. disappearing. And it's just, it's, it's just horrible 
that um, that these these pedophiles are allowed to come in through Snapchat and and even Mario Brothers. You know, it's like nothing is is safe. No online is safe for your that's what I'm talking about it's we can't we can't um, gauge it according to what was happening a few years ago it changes every year it changes very quickly you know the 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 easiest thing to do if you're looking for easy and fun is to follow Melanie's guides on and all her programs that she's created and just get rid of this stuff you know it's it's again it's not throwing out like a, a you know desktop computer that your child has to use for to do their homework it's about getting rid of the handhelds and right. these are these are things that just you know parents aren't managing them well how can we possibly expect little children to manage them well or even teens right, right. so um they're they're a very addictive device we should look at it like it's cocaine or alcohol or something you know because yeah. it is it's more damaging probably than either of those things to to young right. brains but um yet we've just not kind of really seen uh you know like a, a, so so really millie's got, got a, just a ton of of helpful programs do her 30-day detox uh, like, and, and you'll find your family will be like morphed into what <laughs> one would term a functional family, not <laughs> yet, but, you know, but at least yeah. you'll be less, you'll be getting along better. You'll be, um, you know, you'll be, uh, your kids will be happier. Your partners will be happier. So, uh, yeah. So anyway, if you want to do easy and fun, just, just get rid of this stuff. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, I couldn't agree with you more. We've tried it both ways. I will never go back. Um, and thanks to you, Chris, I have learned so much over the years. I, this is just tip of the iceberg, guys. I mean, I haven't even begun to crack open all the stuff that Chris knows and how she can help us. And so just, Chris, let's just close and can you just give our families listening, you know, out there some, just a, a, a few words of encouragement. I always do this at the end because I don't want to leave people feeling discouraged, like, oh my gosh, I've done it all wrong. My kids have been sitting on the couch since they were three, you know, and they're, they're, they're 12 years old now. What can, you know, can you just um, encourage the family who's listening, who is really struggling, who's feeling overwhelmed, doesn't know where to start, but they just listen to this podcast and they need to do something? What can you tell them? So I think one thing to think about is, is we are biologically, we, you know, humans are, are animals and, and we have innate traits in us to connect with each other, mm-hmm. to, um, to love each other, to play with each other. It's there. It's not something you have to read a book about to learn how to do. All you need to do is just kind of let go um, and, and play and love and human connection, it all comes from the heart. So if you can kind of try to get out of your head, get into your heart and just get down on the floor and start to play with your child, doesn't matter if they're 15 or they're three, you know, they're, um, that, that play, you have it in you, you have it in you to, the, to laugh from the belly and, and that's something that, that screens have kind of wiped out, but it's there. What I'm trying to say is it's there. You know what to do. You know how to do it. It's kind of just got to put the phone down and and get started. And just get started. That makes me, that just makes me get kind of teary because when you said that, it's like, that's what childhood is supposed to be about. And we need to do this. The days are passing so quickly and our kids need these memories of us having fun with them. And that's what Screen Strong is all about. 
It is not about banning and saying no and being mean. It's about having fun and getting on the floor and rolling around with your kids <laughs> and yeah. just having that belly laughter. I love that. And I love that you brought up that we can all work on our attachment to our kids and that connection to them. That's something yeah. that is a wonderful goal. It's not controversial <laughs> at all. <laughs> and we don't have to work on it. All we have to do is allow it to happen, right? Because yeah. there is not one kid out there, and I've worked with thousands of children, right? There's not one kid, I often ask them this, would you rather go out and you know play ball in the backyard with your mom or, or play a video game? And they, oh, I'd love to play with my mom, you know, yeah. or I love to play with my dad. I love it when my dad does this or my mom does this, right? It is, it is we undervalue ourselves. We think that these devices are actually more entertaining and our kids love them more than they love us. That's not true at all. It's wow. just the opposite. So yeah. your kid may say, no, I don't want to do that, you know. But you'll see that little smile kind of look at the corners of their, their mouth. You'll see this little smile forming when you keep saying, play me, play a game of cards with me, play a game of cards with me, play a game of cards with me. Right now, you need to come down, play the ga play a game of cards with me. Uh, they come and schmirk, but they will love yeah. you for that. They love to be picked. Who doesn't? We all want to be picked. We all yes. want to have our parents pick us to spend time with us. Yeah. And, and I've always said time is the healer and time, you know, spending time with your kids will heal many, many things. And, uh, gaming, uh, dependency and social media addiction is just one more thing that it will heal. So thank you, Chris, so much. Can you share your website where, um, we can go get more information and find you? Sure. So, um, my website's reconnectwebinars.com. Okay. And I also have a blog where I've written a lot of controversial posts, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, but common sense. And it's called movingtolearn.ca. Movingtolearn blog is, um, it's written mainly for schools, but, you know, as well, there's a lot of um, stuff for parents on the blog as well. And there's just zillions of articles there. Yeah, so, it's fabulous. And we'll put we'll put these links in the show notes too. If you're driving your car and you don't have time or can't figure out how to write this down, we'll put we'll put that in there and anything else, Chris, that you want us to share with this audience from today, like the information about your book and all that, we'll put in the show notes. Great. So um thank you so much. And I want to just publicly thank you for one more little thing. <laughs> so I just thought of this when we were wrapping up that one of the ideas that we have in our in our challenge for families that has really taken off and everybody loves it is uh, the Friday fun night idea where we, I wrote up this whole thing about what to do on Friday night and have your kids invite their friends over. And we kind of have a whole little science around how many friends and boys and girls and whatnot. And we start this in middle school and all the schools that we work in and um, they invite their friends over and they do these little minute to win it games and then they have dinner and they just do something fun. And I just want to thank you because that idea came from you. That came from a conversation we had about you sharing about what your kids did when they were, um, I think even in high school, when they would like get all dressed up and make dinner for the girls and stuff like that for your boys. It was just really fun. I just, I just remember that. And I just want to thank you for that. You're very welcome. Yeah, that was Matt was having a little trouble and it was about, he was about 12. And so I, I threw everything out. I'm not suggesting doing that, but I was so frustrated trying to manage his screens. He had a little 
you know, Matt's 42 now, right? So <laughs> yeah. he had a little teeny, a little um, a Sega thing. And then he had uh, Commodore 64 with Pong and Tetras on it and stuff. And he was always, <laughs> he had this, I had this two hour box time, I called it. You had two hour box time. <laughs> and, and I was always banging on his door. I can, I can hear I can hear you're in there, you know, like doing stuff when you shouldn't be and whatever. And finally I just took it all in the dump. And um, yes, like I was really angry one day and I'm, again, I'm not saying to do this, but um, you could see my frustration in, in trying to manage this. And, and then, but what I did right away is I gave him as being an occupational therapist, I, I thought, okay, he needs, I need to replace all the time he's spending with this stuff with something else. So I gave him chores, more chores to do. <laughs> yeah. So had to, that's when he started having to make his lunch, do his laundry. And then the, the big one was the, the Friday nights, he could invite as many friends over as he wanted, and they would all make dinner. Yeah. So he had to let me know on Thursday night what he needed in the realm of groceries, what he's going to make. And these, these Friday nights just turned into a yeah. massive um, you know, they all got dressed up. <laughs> they actually did a preparatory thing where they all got dressed up in these suits, you know, and I came home and I was like, there's eight guys sitting around my house, you know, in suits. And I'm like, what the heck, you know, and they, they don't always tell me everything. Right. <laughs> and I didn't know where this was going, but then the following uh, Friday, they invited these girls over so, and they had a dress up kind of thing. And these yeah. guys ate the girls dinner. Well, what did they learn out of this? They learned there's a lot of alternatives to screens for one, but you know, they yeah. learned how to cook. They learned how to get along with yeah. each other in a, in a kitchen environment. There was a lot yeah. of, they used to just go downstairs and kind of, you know, take a book somewhere. Right. Cause there's a yeah. lot of male energy going around, but uh, yeah. it, it was just, it was really fun. And our house became this place where, where kids came and they knew that they could have access to, to me. I mean, I, and we just had these most amazing discussions around the table, you know, and in the kitchen and then I, the, the kids, you know, cause they just felt comfortable. So don't think when you take away screens that it's going to be bad, you know, it, it actually is going to be really, really good. It might take a while, a couple of weeks of adjustment, yeah. But, yeah. Um, but pretty soon, you know, it's, you're going to find your kid again. I yeah. felt like I was losing that. I was, I was absolutely in tears. I thought I was losing him to these screens yeah. and I didn't like it, you know, as a parent. That was such an inspiration. So I just want to thank you again for inspiring um, me to, to come up with that concept for um, the middle school group. And then also, of course, like you said, for this high school group. And I can reiterate everything that you're saying. I absolutely agree that once you get over the hump, it is so much easier. You like your kids again. They like you more. They're more connected to their family. They're more connected to their friends. And the Friday fun night things that we did in middle school have morphed into exactly what you're talking about now in high school. They have their friends over here every weekend and we do all sorts of fun things. And, and I'm not involved anymore like I was, but I am in the background. And like you, I have wonderful conversations with their friends. So how fun is that? Because I don't ever remember talking to anyone on our oldest son's video game. <laughs> but I certainly have talked to all of my, um, and I do know their friends really well. I think that's super important. So thank you for that. And thank you for being the inspiration behind that. It's a simple concept, but it has really taken some legs over here. So thank you very much. Keep it simple. <laughs> and yes, keep it simple. And thank you so much for coming today, Chris. We really appreciate you. Thank you.
So what's your homework now? Go to our site and become a Connect member. It's free. We're trying to transition people off of Facebook over to our free online forum on our site so you can get support from us over there. And Dr. Stacy's over there. I'm over there. We're going to help you with your questions. We're going to put um, fun handouts over there and different things that we can put there that we can't put on social media and Facebook because there's really no way to do that well. Next, I want you to think about our lifestyle course for a deeper dive and to get more information on all the stuff that we cover today, plus much, much more. Rate this podcast and share it with at least five of your friends. It's really growing because you are doing that. We need you to spread the word. And don't forget the ATM, the attachment, touch and movement in, in nature, of course, and go outside and play today with your kids. Think about what you can do when they come home from school. Maybe you just drive by the park and don't go home and you surprise them. Maybe you get home and instead of making dinner and doing all that stuff, um, run outside with them and play basketball in the driveway. Do something with your kids every day. And if it can be outside, that's even better. So remember, we've got your back over here at Screen Strong, and we are here to help you figure it all out. So until next time, stand up for your kids, stand out from the crowd, and stay strong. Mm-hmm.